You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Paik. And this is the Run For Your Lives podcast. This episode, we are covering Krampus, the American Christmas comedy horror film written and directed by Michael Dougherty and released on December 4th, 2015. And it is our third and final holiday special of our year of the Lord 2020. <laughs> oh, yes. Who could forget 2020? I think this is going to rank up there with so many other past <laughs> years where things have happened in history. And yeah, uh, we'll all have t-shirts that say, I survived 2020. And all I got was this lousy t-shirt. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 2015 is when this came out. Yeah, um, It does not feel like it was already five years old. Like, I feel like I saw it more recently in the theaters than that, but time flies. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. I liked it, but I had forgotten a lot of, about it. So when mm-hmm. I watched it again, it was kind of like, all right, so we're in the, you know, twisted version of the country mouse visits the city mouse, <laughs> forged with mayhem in Christmas season, and another film that shows us that you should listen to children. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Dad, there's a creepy snowman standing out there. Oh, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> exactly. Listen to your children. Just listen to your children. They do sometimes have sage advice, even though they may be young in years. They do have sage advice for you to listen to. (laughs) And since this is our Christmas episode, our first ever Christmas episode, Paik, what did you ask Santa for for Christmas? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> wasn't expecting this question. Um, of course you weren't, but I like to throw no. these in every once in a while. Let's see. The ability for over this next year in 2021 for me to start going to concerts and wrestling shows and going out and hanging out at bars with friends again. That's what I want. <laughs> that is a wonderful Christmas wish. I totally agree it would be so wonderful to be able to go out and do the things that we were doing a year ago yeah really would be really great to get back to that well i didn't ask for anything quite that extreme (laughs) let's see i asked for one thing for christmas which was a turntable Mm. so that i could listen to records no so you're just being serious you're being real (laughs) yeah but if i could make a huge wish I would love to be able to go and photograph figure skating because it's my passion. And I have not been able to since the pandemic started. Events have been canceled. So that, and I would like to return to trivia with my friends. Yes. So those are pretty big asks. Yeah. Yeah. As far as actual like gift gifts that I've asked family and stuff for. Yeah. My stuff's not as enjoyable. Mainly it's just like, oh, I need a gift card to this like record store. And maybe some new Joy-Cons for my Switch and a book. <laughs> like, that's about it. <laughs> I think those are perfectly great things to ask for, though. Mm-hmm. 
I think it gets harder and harder every year for me to come up with ideas of what I want for Christmas. I'm much more into what can I get everyone else. Yeah. (laughs) And that is not a problem for this family that we're going to talk about in a minute. They have quite an interesting Christmas. And I'm not sure if if I'd want to celebrate Christmas after experiencing what they did. (laughs) It's quite a scary, scary ride. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I guess before we jump into it, why don't we get a little bit of your famous behind the scenes? I'll drop a synopsis (laughs) and then we will dive into the movie. All right. That sounds great. Cool. So this film was filmed at Stone Street Studios in Wellington, New Zealand. Todd Casey and Zach Shield co-wrote the script with the director. The director got the idea after his friend sent him an e-card that featured Krampus, which he loved. But he received the card long before the project was even discussed. So it was like way back in the early days of the internet. Mm -hmm. So it's probably one of those little e-cards you can, you know, remember. Oh, yeah. I remember those when I was when I was younger, when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know. The 90s and early yeah like late late 90s and uh my uncle up in new york would send us like these little merry christmas like e-cards through my dad's email like every year (laughs) (laughs) we always look forward to those (laughs) yes that was back when cards like that were just such a new thing and it was always cool to get them and now there's just different ways of Mm -hmm. being able to do electronic greeting cards and so it's still it's still a thing, but maybe the novelty is worn off just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so this film was full of familiar faces, yes. including Adam Scott, Tony Collette, David Koechner, and Alison Tolman. And the budget was $15 million, and the box office gross was $61.5 million. The film clocks in at about 98 minutes. And Paik, why don't you give us the synopsis? All right. Of Krampus. (laughs) Synopsis I have here. When young Max and his family have an argument on Christmas, he unknowingly summons a yuletide demon, Krampus, who is the opposite of Santa and comes not to spread joy, but to punish the non-believers. Now Max and his family must fight back against Krampus. Ooh, that totally (laughs) describes it quite well. You know, one thing at the end of the movie that I just said out loud was this family paid the ultimate price for destroying Max's love and belief in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or did Because they? I, they, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've got some stuff to talk about on that. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to diving into those little pieces. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like, you know, ugh. the whole story though. And before we ju- jump into our usual character analysis and, dive in the story just makes me think of as a kid that forced family time where at some age you just decide that being around your cousins is not what you want to do on christmas mm-hmm. been there <laughs> me too i may or may not have had to go to visit family on christmas and not been able to take my toys with me because my cousins would break them In my family, you got your presents on Christmas Eve so that we could go on Christmas Day to visit my mom's family. And that was an adventure, and I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) 
All right. Yeah. Well, I say before we get into like specific characters and stuff, I had a couple of just notes because you mentioned in the behind the scenes about the star studded cast a little bit. So yes. I figured, you know, we could I could bring them up one by one as we go through the characters. But I think also I just kind of want to lay it out on the top and be like, holy crap, like what a cast of fun <laughs> people that I love. Um, so I'll start like Omi was played by Krista Stadler, mm-hmm. who is an Austrian born actress, but she's known mainly she's done German film. And really mm-hmm. hasn't done much of anything in the States. I don't know exactly kind of how they found her and got her, but she was great. I'm not sure either, but I'm glad they did because I just loved her. She was probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Yeah. And then Max is played by MJ Anthony and his incredible dimples. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that kid. He's awesome. Um, he hasn't done a whole lot either, honestly. I think he's he did a you know a couple of movies and stuff, and now he's kind of living the the low low key life outside of acting since he's grown up a little bit, and that's totally understandable and cool, and I, I totally respect that. But the reason I, I bring him up outside of this movie is he also plays a role in another movie that I really love. He plays a uh, John Favreau's son in an incredible movie called Chef that I highly recommend people check out because that is a <laughs> heartwarming and funny tale that I really, really love. And John Favreau is just incredible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then Adam Scott, I mean Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. Yeah. I know he's done a billion other things, but like that kind of I can just sum it up there. Like it's it's <laughs> it's great there. Yeah. Um Tony Collette. Who played Sarah? Ugh. I mean, she's known for so much. I mean, most namely, you can throw out, you know, Hereditary, Knives Out, as more recent stuff, or just The Sixth Sense. I mean, like, she's yes. been all over. I've also seen her in person on Broadway. Oh, you have? Yes. She was in like a little small, like, four person play that I got to see on Broadway. It was her, Tracy Letts, Michael C. Hall, and Marissa Tomei. And it was incredible. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> I saw her in a little movie that I think was one of her first films called Muriel's Wedding. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And she's just gone on to do so many wonderful things. So seeing her in this film, I had a real interesting love-hate relationship with her character at first. So uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then we have the character of Beth, played by Stephanie Levy Owen, who I have never seen her in anything else. So... I looked me, through her like filmography on IMDb and I was like, yep, haven't seen any of this, but cool. <laughs> and then, you know, kind of rather, because I didn't name all the other like kids necessarily, but then, I mean, David Koechner, you mentioned Anchorman and The oh. Office. Like, oh my goodness. It's just so much fun. Allison Tolman, I, Fargo and Good Girls. Fargo. Yep. Like, she's so good. And then Conchata Farrell, rest in peace. We lost her oh. earlier this year, and yes. she was just a great comedic actress, great timing, great personality, and so it was good. To, I forgot that she was in this, so when she showed up, I was like, oh, Me too. oh yay. <laughs> she was really the comedic driving force yes. in this movie. Because I watched- Oh, my gosh. Since I have the DVD and stuff, so I watched like all the behind the scenes and deleted scenes and extended stuff and gag reels and all that stuff. I, I love diving into those. And yeah, uh, they had a little like bit with Krista Sadler who played Omi. And, you know, there was like the cast talking about each other. And she said Conchata was her favorite on set because she was just the funniest. <laughs> Aww. Well, I can imagine that when you're doing a movie like this where everything is so dark and deep and 
scary that that comic relief on set has to be a blessing actually because <laughs> you get so deep into all the dark and dreary that it's good to see the lighter side of things yeah especially you know maybe in between takes and she definitely i think it's her it was aunt dorothy she yeah. really brought it yeah the comedy oh i forgot how funny she <laughs> yes. was in this movie so good yeah i love how you mentioned yeah like you know the levity of them doing such a heavy things so that was the cool thing about that behind the scenes featurette was again like you know that and then like adam scott and david keckner were just would just sit there for long extended periods of time just improving and just throwing <laughs> stuff back and forth at each other and most none of it made it into the movie some did but not all but like the cast would just sit around and just enjoy a scene going on way too long because the two of them were just batting back and forth, you know, just <laughs> just just kept going at it. Would just carry a scene on way too long with their improv, and it just got funnier and funnier. <laughs> so some of that was fun. They had little clips of some of that stuff, and then I guess MJ Anthony, who played Max, was like, it makes sense as the young kid of his age. He was the like jokester and the prankster on stage. He was like. Like different crew members, he would like steal their like camera equipment and chargers and stuff, and then wrap them up as like Christmas presents and hide them all over the set. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, he was just wow. pulling pranks on people all the time, mostly with the director's help. Um. <laughs> okay, so as long as he had the director's support, it was it was Michael Doherty who put him up to it because I remember one of them saying he was like, I think one of the like crew members they talked to was just like, oh yeah, MJ is the little demon spawn protege of Michael Doherty. He just taught him all of these pranks. Now he won't stop pulling them on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that <laughs> sounds like a set that I'd want to be on. Yeah. One where there's lots of fun mm -hmm. to be had, even if the subject matter is really dark. Yeah. I think that having fun like that, it just makes everyone enjoy their, their time when they're working hard on a film. Yeah. From what I understand, yeah, the really heavy and scary stuff usually behind the scenes they try to lighten things up a lot yeah especially with kids involved mm -hmm. you would think all right well let's go ahead and dive in on characters and story and get through it oh <laughs> goodness so much so much so much and i say probably the best place to start would be the character of max yes is it kind of he is kind of the main character that this centers around so might as well yes <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I felt like right from the opening, Max was like the crusader fighting to defend Christmas yeah. and Santa right in the Christmas pageant. And then you see in the opening, his parents rushing in to stop the fight. Mm -hmm. Which I love that opening, by the way, just having... You know. <laughs> the craziness of, of commercialization of Christmas and people yeah. fighting over things and people not wanting to be there and just all of the craziness. You think about some of the toys of the past that were like really big sellers that would instigate these fights. Mm -hmm. And so watching that, I'm just thinking, this is why I don't shop in stores at Christmas. Yeah, I've done everything online this year and I I don't know why I never do it that way. Always, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Like, it's just so much better. Agreed. It's so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, All the Black Friday madness. And then, yeah, we get to like the... Max is fighting some other kid at the pageant. But then you come to find out, like, yeah, you said he's like this crusader. He's like, the kid was telling all the other kids that Santa's not real, and I had to defend Santa's honor, basically. <laughs> I know. And I, 
I had to stop the movie a couple of times when things were coming up because it made me think about when did I stop believing in Santa? Because I can't remember mm-hmm. like any specific moment that it happened. I can't pinpoint exactly how old it, but I, I have exact memories of the moment. Because it was just one of the things as you get older. So I was probably nine or ten, you know, about the same age, maybe a little younger than Max. And it was just one of those things where finally I'm just like, it was almost like, you know, calling my like dad, you know, my mom and my dad to me and just like almost like a business kind of thing. Like, okay, we're going to lay this head on the table straight. <laughs> like it was very much like, just tell me the truth. Like I, I brought it to them. Like they didn't have to be like, it wasn't like they were, they, you know, like, oh, he's old enough. We should tell him. No, it was me being like, okay, give me the scoop. Like, just be honest oh, with me. Goodness. Like I was like, he's not real, is he? <laughs> oh my gosh. And you... You have little brothers. Did you keep the secret away from them? Yeah, I kept it for them for years after. Yeah. I let them figure it out on my own. I was a good big brother in that way. Like we would even like play it up because like we would go to my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house every Christmas Eve. And so when we would drive back to my house after that, you know, all the like little like, you know, satellite towers and stuff that had the red, red blinking lights and stuff on them in the distance, I could always... To my little brothers, oh, there's Rudolph's nose. He's coming. You better when we get home. You better go straight to sleep. Like I was, a, I was a good inside man for my parents. <laughs> I bet you were. I think that comes with being the yeah. oldest, being able to assist them. For me, it was I was the one that put together the presents for my siblings mm-hmm. so that they'd be ready because no one wants to get their present, open it, and realize that it has to be assembled. Yeah. So I would take, you know, the G.I. Joe and the Mask Mountain and all of these things into my bedroom, put them all together, and then take them downstairs so they were ready the next morning. Yeah. So that was my role. I, I, I never had to do the presents, but, but yeah, but like there was that certain coming of age once I was like nine or ten and I had crossed that threshold. Then I got the special treatment of like my little brothers would have to go straight to bed, but I got to sit up and watch Christmas movies and drink <laughs> coffee and hot chocolate and stuff with my parents because... Like, I didn't have a reason to go to bed early. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Why am I not surprised that you did that? <laughs> so I did, I could relate to Max's love of Christmas mm-hmm. and wanting to keep that magic yeah. alive. Because some days, I mean, wouldn't we all love to go back to the magic of oh, Santa? Yeah. It is, it, as an adult, yeah, I do kind of miss some of those, like, those old traditions. Like I said, going, you know, to my grandparents' house and doing our stuff there and then going back home and then my brothers would go to bed and then me and my mom and dad would step and watch movies and, and, you know, <laughs> do a little bit of stuff. <laughs> and Max is that same way in this movie. He's like, I thought we were going to watch Charlie Brown and, and wrap our presents and do this. And like, he's like, what happened to the same stuff we've done every year? And it, it like is kind of crushing him to watch like reality, just get in the way of the magic of Christmas for him. Yes. I felt so bad. And then it seemed to get worse for him because his cousins came along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just having here, I was like, poor Max. I was like, he's such a sweethearted kid, and his cousins are just tormenting him, and his parents aren't listening to him. And Ugh. I mean, his sister was like there for him the most, but even she was just kind of like, Max, just let it go. Just, you know, she's not really giving him the sympathy that he maybe needs. I know. I feel like as the big sister, I might have gone over there and taken the letter away from them mm-hmm. and smacked him upside <laughs> right. the head. Because that's. It was just so ridiculous. But I understand it's about going and keeping the peace and getting along, just, you know, biding your time till it's mm-hmm. over, which is very sad if you think about it, that these forced interactions of children 
where parents want their kids to be friends, you know, siblings want their children to be friends with yeah. each other's. But that doesn't always work because if you live in different places, things are just different. Yeah. And I did love one of my favorite things about this movie, though, was Max's relationship with his grandmother. Oh, I loved Omi. it so much. Oh, yeah. I have that in here is that. At first, I thought it was really interesting. We get a little bit more as the movie goes on, but I was like, the first thing, I was like, it's really interesting that they speak to each other in English and German, respectively, Max and Omi. Yes. Where he would talk to her in English, and then she'd respond in German, but they would both understand each other. And so yes. I was just like, you know, like I, I assume, you know, we know like he's very close to her, so maybe he like learned it from her. But then we also do find out later on that his father also speaks German to his mother back and forth. So. I'm sure it's one of yes. those things that, like, his dad and his grandmother together would have taught him if he showed interest in it. And to have that connection to his grandmother, I'm sure he totally had interest in that. Absolutely. You can tell that they are very, very close. And they speak the same language, and I'm not talking about German and English. Mm -hmm. It's just this beautiful, loving relationship that it's not about the words. Yeah, there's a lot said between the two of them just through touch and eye contact and like a certain look or like <laughs> they would give each other or or when he would just walk up and grab her hand or, you know, kind of just stand close to her in certain times. Like, yeah, there's a lot of nonverbal communication that was really beautiful too. And you could tell because of the way that she looked at him multiple times that she was most, I believe, most worried for mm -hmm. him in this situation. When she realized what was happening, I think she became very, very scared for Max. Yeah. Because he's just this lovely little soul. And he hasn't had time to be tarnished by, you know, the world at that point. He's just a kid believing in Santa and wanting things to be the way that they always were. And one thing that his cousins didn't read in the letter at the table. Mm -hmm. I have most of his letter written down here. That, you know, I didn't write down yeah. the stuff that they read at the table, but then yeah. I have, you know, what was written on after that. Because they stop it, like, you know, it's like, and I wish they, and then she was like, hey, he doesn't wish that we were boys. And that's where that letter picks up. It's like the stuff about his cousins and his aunt and uncle, and they've been going through problems. And he's like, and then it picks up where they didn't read from. He says, yeah. and I also wish Uncle Howard would stop wishing his, his daughters were boys. You know, and then, <laughs> yeah. but then from there he says, he's also written, I wish everyone liked having Aunt Dorothy around more because I think she's pretty funny. And I also wish she'd stop pretending she hates hanging with us. And thanks for giving me Omi. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thanks for giving me Omi. Yeah. This is a little kid who's thought through these things. You yeah. know, his character has thought through his feelings and this is supposed to be a special time. And he's just having his love of Christmas dragged completely from him so he'd be miserable like everyone else mm -hmm. and that just broke my heart seeing that because you could tell he just is the sweet kid who cares about his family but they don't show that same reciprocation especially his mm -hmm. cousins and i really felt for him because i just he's the one who started the cat i mean the catalyst for him was yeah. the letter i kind of put it on here as like my the final straw yeah because it wasn't the sole per like sole reason. Like it's, I would not put this all on Max. No, because I mean, his dad's like taking work calls the whole time, and they're not doing their like traditional stuff, and everybody's fighting and not getting along with each other, and and that's what causes Max to say, "I hate all of you. I wish you would leave me, <laughs> leave me alone." 
Yeah. And then when he tears up the letter, yeah. it's a really heartbreaking moment. And that's, like you said, the the catalyst of it. Yeah, that takes everything to a whole new level. And Krampus heeds the call mm-hmm. to come and have a little visit with the Ingalls family. Yeah. Yeah. They really were this quintessential dysfunctional family. Even before the cousins and the aunt arrived, they were already a bit dysfunctional. Like you said, they Tom was taking phone calls. The mother was fussing about everything mm-hmm. and it was being very judgmental about different things and you just were like god they're not together at all and then you see max with omi and you it gives you hope because mm-hmm. there's just this beautiful relationship there but over the course of the movie they do show signs of pulling together yeah which i did not think would happen because they really didn't seem to care for each other because howard's family seemed to be living modestly they they really didn't have a lot of money although he drove that hummer (laughs) and so it took me back to sarah saying something about eating mac and cheese all the time and so in one of my notes i actually put down are they eating mac and cheese all the time because howard bought a hummer right because those are not cheap (laughs) Mm -hmm. gas guzzlers too (laughs) yeah You weren't spending so much money on gas all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. But then you had Max's family who were doing quite well for themselves. Mm-hmm. And there was just a disconnect between the two sides, the two different families. Sarah's making a fancy meal with creme brulee and Dorothy's saying nobody wants to eat all this fancy food. And just the picking and sniping at each other. Yeah. That the sisters did at first. Mm-hmm. But then by the end, we see them coming together. I feel like they evolved throughout this whole movie into what you would think was learning a lesson. Like they were learning a lesson yeah, to appreciate each other more mm-hmm. and to listen to each other and to love each other. Yep. And I think they did. I think they did. And uh, yeah, I love, you know, you're kind of stepping off of Max here a little bit, but but going, yeah, just like those moments you mentioned of the family coming together and it's usually, you know, they kind of paired up, but I think I love those moments. And especially when I watch the extended and deleted scenes as they drew some of these out a little more and you get to see a little more of it. And so I'll, I'll take those into account, even though most people listening to this probably haven't seen the full extended ones, but I'll, <laughs> I'll throw some of that stuff in. But, you know, when um, Howard and Tom are talking at the window, you know, and he's, you know, you know, thanks for saving me back there. And I thought you were a spineless tick all these years. And I'm sorry for that. And, you know, they have that little, conversation and what was deleted which you know you know you got to make time for theatrical releases i get it but i wish they would have left some of these conversations in because in the deleted version or the extended version of that scene uh howard has a little thing which is like you know you know it's like i know you've only viewed me as linda's ball and chain or something like or linda's life sentence and he was like i would never say this like no that's what her own father said at our wedding and he was like, and I still loved her and I still had a great time at the wedding. He's like, but I was going to prove to people that I was not going to be the loser that they thought I was going to be. And yet here I am. Oh. And Tom has, and Tom has a really good moment where he goes, no, that is not who you are. He's like, it, because you were there for them every time they need you. You're there every night to tuck them into bed and be there for those kids. I spend half the year in hotel rooms in airport, airport lounges. You are there for your, you are not a loser. You are a great father. And they have that connection. And 
that was really cool. And it's one of those things that's like, I wish they would have left that in the actual like yes. official cut of the movie because it's so good. And there's a similar thing like that between Linda and Sarah where they're talking about, you know, oh, you kept mom's angel. I was like, oh, I thought mm-hmm. you knew that. Like, no. And then, you know, it kind of cuts off when it's just like, you know, after she says, you know, I figured that's what mom would have done. And they kind of smile. And that was the end of that scene. Again, the extended version was so much better. Where then Linda kind of snipes back at her. It was just like, you know, because oh, you have to do everything perfect, don't you? And then Sarah kind of is taken aback. She's just like, no, I just pretend that I do. I'm just real good at pretending I'm doing everything perfect. And it's like, because sometimes, and then so they have like this whole different opposite spectrum of complaints. Where her complaint is things aren't crazy enough. She's like, you and Howard are so good. Like, you love each other so much through everything. And she was like, but with me, he's like, you know, Tom is always away on work. He's traveling all the time. Max is always up in his room doing whatever boys do. <laughs> it's like, which is what she says. boys do. And she's like, and Beth <laughs> is with her boyfriend all the time. Things around here just get quiet. It's like she wishes she had more family bonding. Wow. And then Linda is just like, I'm three years younger than you, and I've managed to pop out twice as many kids. How is that? And do the math there, you know? And then so it's like, are you jealous of me? It's like, are you jealous of my life? And they kind of realize like grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. Yes. And they bond through that. And that was beautiful too. <laughs> Those are pieces that we needed to see because yeah. I think it, I mean, I felt a connection to Sarah more later in the film because I felt she was coming around. And Linda, too. Like, I felt like they both were kind of meeting in the middle. But that scene would have really helped me yeah. connect with them more. And we didn't get that opportunity because yeah. it was not in the theatrical release. It makes me want to go watch the extended version now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were great. But yeah, where were we? <laughs> Is there anything more about Max? I mean... There's so much stuff that, like, you know, through the main, like, chunk of the movie, because we talked more about the beginning. And even though he's kind of the catalyst and the main character, there's not a lot that he does through the bulk of the middle of the movie. No, he doesn't. Because it's it's really about the rest of his family learning, like you said, to, to love each other and come together. And so really the next thing I have on Max cuts all the way to the end, where yes. everybody's been taken and just like Omi was left behind as a little girl in her story, he's the one that's solely left behind here with the reminder from that bell from Krampus. He's carrying that. But little dude isn't giving up that easy. No, and, and that little bauble was wrapped in his letter. Yeah. Like he got it wrapped in his letter, mm-hmm. which had to like hit him. Yeah. That's when he realizes like, oh, it's my fault. And instead of. You know, not to throw shade on Omi or whatever, but instead of just resigning himself to like, oh, this is what happened and it's all my fault. He takes it upon himself to to go back to Krampus with his sleigh and all of this. And hey, asshole. (laughs) Yeah, that was really ballsy. Yeah. So ballsy that he did that because Mm -hmm. that was a terrifying scene. Krampus and his minions. Ugh. Yep. And scary. I would not have done that. Oh, man. Yeah. And it shows that, like, yeah, the strength that Max has. And like Omi had said also in her story, like, it's about sacrifice. She had brought that Mm -hmm. up so many times. And so through that, he says, take me instead. Yes. 
It's my fault. I take back everything that I said. Yeah. So, so, so I take back everything yeah. and it's my fault and just take me instead. And then you have this kind of moment where you're like, you know, you see this glint in Krampus's eyes and you're like, well, maybe he's going to. And then they just laugh and throw Stevie in also. And then picks up Max and, and throws him in as well. But then after that, of course, he wakes up and everything seems to be back to normal. However, everything's like a little fuzzy and nice and perfect. And people aren't acting exactly how you think they would at the beginning of this movie. And so. Yeah, no, it looked way too clean. Yeah. And so they set it up towards <laughs> like this like facade in a snow globe. And here's oh. where I wanted to talk about because there are two different camps of thought on the ending of this movie. The first one, of course, is. Okay, so they're trapped in hell, basically, and they're having to relive the Christmas morning that they could have had if they would have behaved correctly, if they would have had you know, the holidays way that they were supposed to. And so, you know, with him having that that bell or the bobble, like you call it, like, yeah, and like everybody kind of looking at it like, oh, no, like they realize what had happened. It's a dark ending. Very dark. But then there is another camp of thought that a lot of different people have like looked into and... I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> basically, there's another theory to the ending that it's not an eternal hell of what they could have had, but that time actually really did reverse. Christmas morning was real, and like what happened happened, but they do have a memory. They all do share a memory of that, and what the snow globe represents is because you see a bunch of them. It's like, is that how many times Krampus has done this? Or Krampus being the shadow and opposite of Santa... Does he just keep tabs on everybody through these snow globes? And the snow globe is a way he's keeping track of everybody. And that's kind of his portal into their worlds. To see if they're going to revert. So maybe because of Max's choice and sacrifice, he did reverse it. And now Krampus sent him the bell as a reminder. I'm still watching you. You've learned your lesson. Do better now. Wow. I think I preferred that. It's a much lighter ending. And so I kind of prefer that <laughs> yeah. too. And there was an alternate ending shot. I did watch the alternate ending where only Max acknowledges the bell and there's no snow globe at all. It pans out of the house and then it ends. And so the director had that thought in mind that everything was okay. So maybe he just kind of found a way to like cloud it and it could be either or. So I think he might've wanted you to decide for yourself. <laughs> and I'm going to pick the happier version. I think for yes, myself. Me too. <laughs> me too. Because I feel like they came full circle and they evolved throughout the movie to become the family that Max really wanted, mm -hmm. where they cared about each other and they were opening up. Although those those two girls, the twins, uh, I don't know about them. <laughs> I'm not sure they ever were going to come around. <laughs> well, yeah, Stevie's <laughs> but, pretty good at the end. They have some... True. I mean, they don't really like reconcile like their differences, but like... She's putting her trust in Max to save them, even though it doesn't really work out. Like, yeah, no. When it's the two of them left, like, true. She's she's choosing choosing to like love and like put trust into her cousin. Yeah, that is true. This was, oh, it's a Christmas story. It's yeah. not Gremlins. <laughs> it's not uh, some of the other Christmas tales. But I really enjoyed watching it because you know, if you think about it, pandemic has been. A constant thing that we've been dealing with, you know, for nine months now, I think. And it just in watching it reminded me to start thinking about the little things to be grateful for and how things can get so dysfunctional, but how if you just start talking and communicating, you can bring it 
back mm-hmm. to being something, you know, being a warm family moment. Yeah. And I think that that's important. Definitely. Will you have anything else on Max and his story? No. Hmm. Other than I, I thought Max should have been spared, but in your version that you just told me, he was spared, so I'm down with that. Yeah. Let's just go with that. <laughs> let's page. just assume that that's what, it, that, that's what they meant. That's the <laughs> let's just, yeah, let, let's just go with that. From what I understand, Michael Doherty has not like said either or. He's been very purposely mm-hmm. quiet on the subject of like, you know what? And I think that's cool that he's just like, I'll let you decide for yourself. I think letting people decide for themselves in some of these movies, it may piss people off because they think that it's a cop out, but I think it's ballsy to let the audience make that decision on their own, mm-hmm. to trust the audience to make that decision instead of trying to force feed them whatever the director or writers were thinking, yeah. just leaving it up to us. I think it's gutsy and I actually prefer it. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to decide in your head what happened. Yeah. Instead of trying to reconcile something that you think was not necessarily the truth. So I definitely am on board with this. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to get this DVD so that I can <laughs> see it because I want to see it. Some cool stuff. <laughs> All right. So I guess I've just got the rest of the characters just kind of clumped into like two categories of like yeah. Max's immediate family that he lives with his mom, his dad, his sister, and his grandmother. And then I have like, the cousin, the aunt, uncle, cousin, like Howard, Linda, Dorothy, Jordan, Stevie, Howie, and Chrissy. Like I have them yes. all in one. Clump. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have something similar. I had split them into two groups. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've covered a lot of little things about some of the other characters. Yeah. Because some of them we didn't see very long. Beth, we only saw very briefly. Yeah. Before she's... She goes to visit her boyfriend and doesn't make it there. And then this jack-in-the-box... Oh my god. <laughs> twisted, twisted fairy tale characters. The Jack in the Box takes her. Yeah. And we never see her again. Yeah. Until that's... the end <laughs> in the in the sequence at the end. Mm-hmm. So they're really uh, the only thing only note I had about her is I know she tried her best to defuse the situation, but I wish she had done more. Yeah. Because just thinking about being a big sister, I would have wanted to do more for my little brother than yeah. what she did. Mm-hmm. But I also get this whole keep the peace and be together and bide your time till it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so I get that too. <laughs> it's it's one of those things like, you know, hindsight, you know, she would have known that this kind of stuff was happening. I'm sure she would have showed a lot more love and care for yes. her family. But I mean, who's going to expect this kind of stuff to happen? So You don't. You don't. <laughs> you definitely don't. <laughs> I really do, though. What what you said about Tom and Howard and Sarah and Linda coming together the way that they came together, those pieces, mm-hmm. I really appreciated that because with Sarah, I just felt like she was cynical and just difficult and very, like, she wanted to have all the fancy things. In realizing who she was having for dinner, mm-hmm. she might have wanted to really rethink that a little bit. And I wondered if she was showing off. I, I really just I couldn't. think there was a little bit of, even though, you know, that moment that she has with her sister where she's like, she says, you know, I'm just good at pretending that I have my shit together, basically. Yeah. Is that she puts up that wall of perfection and like, oh, look at me being 
the perfect, you know, host of the party and the perfect mother and the perfect wife and the perfect when like clearly she has her own issues. Like, you know, Max wouldn't write in his letter. I wish my parents would fall in love again. If there wasn't clearly Uh. some kind of, you know, distance growing in this family. But we did get to see some closeness between Sarah and Tom. Mm -hmm. There were moments that they started to come together. Just these brief moments where they're looking out the window together and just getting close. And you just feel that, you know, the effect of Krampus is a positive one on the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Which is the purpose. Which is If you go into the lore and everything, you're like, that's the purpose of Krampus is, even though, yeah, it's meant to punish, like, yeah. And that's another thing that backs up a lot of those theories where they said that they actually were fine in the end is because Krampus kind of is there to teach a lesson, not just like mercilessly kill. Like it's going to be yeah. bad. It's going to be. <laughs> yeah. But like the lesson there is taught. And so maybe, you know, it's I hate to speak ill of Omi or whatever, but like if she would have done things differently as a kid, like maybe her family would be fine. Like not to like put that b- burden on a little girl, but like. Right. But that's it's kind of what it is, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, her she was talking about her, com- it was her whole community. Had yeah. So um, just dissatisfied with life and the way things were and fighting. And I think in this case, I just wonder, like, what, was it the whole community that got taken? You know, what we never really saw what happened to any of the neighbors or to beth's boyfriend we just mm-hmm. saw <laughs> well now we saw that her her boyfriend's house was ransacked i mean ransacked and the ginger the, it looks like he tried to fight back against one of the ginger yes. men and one oh my god but yeah i mean hoof prints in the snow by the fireplace where he, he had come down the same way he did when he has that face off with omi yes and so like so they weren't the only house no so you have to wonder like what was it the community that was on the radar, was it really Max, or was it the community as a whole that went to mm-hmm. hell? Who even knows? Yeah. It was just really, really interesting the way that it all played out. And now that I've heard what you had to say about, you know, alternate endings and different ideas on the ending, it just makes me rethink things so much. So my brain's already <laughs> rethinking things <laughs> yeah. about the ending. So. I did like one thing that Tom, Tom had this really good conversation with Max where he explained what family is. People Mm -hmm. you try to be friends with, even though you don't have a lot in common, or maybe it makes us work a whole lot harder to find what we do have in common. Mm -hmm. And so you could tell that Tom wanted to believe in that. And I related to that because I do think sometimes with family, that's what it's like. Yeah. So... His wife is popping Xanax and he's drinking whiskey. So, <laughs> yeah, not the not the most chill time of year for them. <laughs> no, and I thought the holidays are supposed to be this wonderful time with family, and I think for them it was just like, well, we have to do this like, like an obligation. Yeah, because it's family, and oh. even before Krampus showed up, they were already battening down the hatches to survive Christmas yes. <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> But <laughs> in a different way, yeah, for sure. I had a couple of notes on Omi, just a few things. Yeah. Just her relationship with Max, which we've already talked about. But when she shares the story with the family of what happened in her hometown, and then people not really 
believing her, that had to have been difficult. Until, yeah. of course, the packages open and we have gingerbread men fighting and some weird jack-in-the-box slug thing that's <laughs> eating people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many things. Uh, one of the things I did like, and I'm not going to put this in production notes, but the way that they told the story in the middle, when she was explaining her story and they did it sort of in this sad, drab cartoon, I really appreciated that a lot. Yeah. I liked it. It was really cool. Like the animation style, I liked a lot. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And then, yeah, with the little things with Omi, I have to, I, I tend to agree with her on her <laughs> sentiment that uh, hot chocolate makes everything better. Um, it does. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, I had to make a little extra stop on my way to record tonight because I was thinking about this while watching the movie. Even though I like regular hot chocolate, dark hot chocolate too, but McDonald's, which I don't care for McDonald's usually, but they used to have this white hot chocolate, white chocolate, hot chocolate that I just lived for that stuff. Like it's so good. <laughs> and then a couple, like several years ago, they just stopped carrying it. They just don't do it anymore. And every year it would like roll around and I was like, I want, ah, they don't do it. And I would get upset. So I was like looking online to see what happened to it. But then I see Starbucks is doing it now. And so I had to make a stop at Starbucks on the way <laughs> to record because I was like, I got to get some white hot chocolate because I'm craving <laughs> it. And it was well worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the things you look forward to during the Christmas season. Yes. And because it's getting colder outside, hot chocolate definitely is mm -hmm. becoming a drink of choice. Yes. It warms you up. <laughs> when I go to skating competitions to do photography, I hot chocolate is something I drink quite a bit. Because mm -hmm. you're always cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that kind of covers the immediate family. Other than I have a little note that when they're all grabbing flashlights and stuff to check in the attic for the girls... Sarah goes straight for an axe, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> yes, she's getting it. She's understanding it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then other other side of the family. The aunt, uncle, cousins. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, quite a bunch of uh, interesting bunch of people. I have in here is uh is Howie like the definition of mouth breather? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. And he is really always focused on eating mm -hmm. whatever he can eat, which is how the gingerbread men. <laughs> yeah, it's like of course he's gonna go for the cookie tied to a chain in the fireplace. That's not gonna stop him. Oh, and when he bit it and it jumped at him after, uh. oh. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I didn't know whether to laugh or be scared yeah. because I just thought, oh. That scene wow. was pretty tense, though. Yeah, where they're all trying to, like, pull him back down through the fireplace. And then, you know, one of the, like, logs gets kicked over to the presence in the tree. And I was like, you know, oh, that tree went up in flames really fast. So in my notes, I was like, what were in those presents? I was like, was everyone getting kerosene for Christmas? How did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wondered if was the tree real and they didn't water it or yeah, flammable items. <laughs> yeah. Asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it brought me to, I remember back when we did ha covered Halloween back in October, I made this creative little list of things that you should or shouldn't do. Uh -huh. Well, I added one to that list now. <laughs> Don't bring random unexplained packages into your house. Yeah. 
You don't want a jack-in-the-box that eats you. No. A cherub-looking thing that comes down from the ceiling. A demonic teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Or gingerbread cookies that have a mind of their own. Or an evil robot no. that stabs you with scissors. Oh, the robot. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. It's like a recipe for crazy. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But yeah, I, I liked some of the like it's kind of stereotypical little stuff like they, these characters made up. But I thought it was fun. Like, of course, Howard has like a small arsenal in his Hummer, yes. Lucinda the Hummer. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. Lucinda. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness, his face. Oh, he was devastated when they came out and saw that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sad for him. I feel like though we have to talk about Dorothy. Aunt Dorothy. <laughs> just she goes out like a badass she doesn't even care <laughs> she is amazing her quotable moments <laughs> you know why are you asking me to take care of the kids i didn't have a like kids when i was one <laughs> and then she tells them she's please all right all right <laughs> we're gonna learn how to make peppermint schnapps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just couldn't even and they're talking about thinking there were squirrels in the attic. And she says, oh, yeah, squirrels probably playing with their nuts. Mm-hmm. There's another little extended scene. Is like one joke that they took out, which I get it because it's a little repetitive, cut down for time. But then whenever, you know, the family reacts to hearing Tom shooting at the snow graboid, as I call it in here. The snow uh, graboid. <laughs> <laughs> when they hear the gunshots and everybody stops and looks up. Aunt Dorothy had a great little line that got cut where she goes, I bet those were squirrels, too. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Oh, I want to hear. I, I have know. to see this. I have to. It's just too perfect. Mm-hmm. It's too perfect. Yep, she's great. <laughs> but yeah, she goes out like a badass with that like shotgun. She yeah blasts the bear to hell, and it squeaks against the wall. And that was great. Blast the cherub out that. of the air like a clay pigeon. Just <laughs> pull. <laughs> Um, <laughs> into the wreath. She was the best shot. They needed to just let her do it. But it it's funny because when when Tom and Howard were in the Hummer with the guns, he gives um Howard gives Tom Linda's gun and says, "Yeah, the heavy gun is Linda's." And I'm mm-hmm. just like, "Is she a badass?" And we don't know it. <laughs> I bet she was. Like I bet she is. <laughs> I bet she was too. And mm-hmm. we didn't get to see enough of it. We got some of it when she's we got some of it. struggling with the bear. Like we see her finally, she like ties her hair back, almost like slicks it back, and she was like, she's going after her daughters. She's yes. had enough yeah. of this shit. And she goes after the jack in the box. She's she stabs the bear through the eye, throws him over the little railing. Which did you hear the uh, pitched up Wilhelm scream when she threw the bear over? Yes, I did. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. She's like punching it in the head while it's biting her. Which. Ugh. Just the way they combine the comedy and terror at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's so fun. <laughs> oh, it was it was just amazing. I even have in my notes here that Howard hitches a ride to hell. Yeah. And I feel like he was just going to try to find where his kids were. I mean. Yeah, I mean, one of the dark just, elves just, like, grabs the baby and just walks off with it. Like, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. And it was Omi that said, you know. Oh, the elves. Mm-hmm. It's like, Jesus. Crazy. <laughs> a little more warning. Just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> a little more warning would have been nice. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Of course, yeah, because the elves come in and they 
chain up Aunt Dorothy after her badass shooting spree. And then again, with like the sound yeah. effects, I don't, with the, they tie her up and then the, she gets yoinked. <laughs> Just, that's the only word, I get yoinked out of the window. Yes! <laughs> like the whole sound yes. effect and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, there she goes. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's all madness, but it all makes sense. And it's just a fun holiday movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see. Do you have anything else on any of the human characters? No, I think we've made it through the human characters. Other than one thing I wanted to say about Stevie and Jordan, mm-hmm. just how maniacal they were talking about Santa dying and eating his reindeer. Oh like telling Eight these stories. Tiny reindeer. <laughs> I'm just like, these are just, oh, why are you doing this? They just know how to get under Max's skin. That's all they're they doing. They do. And it was so <laughs> annoying. Like, oh, those girls. Yeah. <laughs> just a problem. So, yeah. So, then, really, what we have left to talk about is, I have, again, kind of in two little sections. I have Krampus himself, and then what I have here is his minions. <laughs> <laughs> Krampus was pretty incredible. Yeah. Really incredible. Scary. From the moment we see him with Beth, seeing him leaping on the rooftops. Yep. At one point in my notes that I didn't end up keeping in my notes, I wrote down, up on the rooftops, reindeer and Krampus. (laughs) Yeah. And it just creeped me out. (laughs) It was just really creepy. Yeah, he's like howling and jumping back and forth. The hooves. Banging. Chains, the dead DHL delivery guy. (laughs) Yeah, frozen. He leaves behind an adorable little friend for Beth to play with. Yes. Yeah. No, none of those crazy games. Yeah. Not having it. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell, too, like we got that big dark cloud coming over the house and the neighborhood and the, and, um, the lights all go out. All the lights in the neighborhood go out and the snowman is in the yard and... Krampus getting into the houses from banging in the chimneys and, Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, the story of Krampus, like how they decided to, like, do the design. He took pictures from various postcards and illustrations that people had put together from, like, various years to come up with that final design yeah and krampus itself is a big part of austrian and german folklore which yeah. we've mentioned just a little bit in austria and germany they have these things called krampus runs mm-hmm. where grown-ups dress grown-up men dress up as krampus and parade through the city streets and scare kids i've watched so many videos of those it's so cool <laughs> and they do them here in the states too in certain places Oh, they do yeah because i have some like friends and acquaintances i know who have partook in those Dressing up and doing all of that in bigger cities and stuff. I think they might do one in Dallas. Definitely not this year. Oh, my goodness. But, uh... No. No, definitely not. But, yeah. Yeah. And the director, actually, too, he describes Krampus in the film as, like, like Omi was talking about, St. Nicholas's shadow. He's not the unstoppable monster that kicks down your door and rampages and grabs you. There's not there's something that's darkly playful about him. He's having a good time doing what he does and enjoys the cat and mouse aspect of it. And that was a quote that um, the director had given. And Mm -hmm. I think that's right. I mean, 
he does play games with them. Yep. He doesn't just come in and take them away. He's got his little minions that come in and play with them. It just makes me think of a cat and a mouse, how a cat plays with a mouse and plays with a mouse, mm-hmm. plays with the mouse and then takes it. Yep. So I think it it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we finally, yeah, we get to see him in full detail with Omi staying behind to face him, which was so sad. But then we get like the like the lore of like the the sack. Like he actually puts you into the sack. Like we didn't see any of that other than until like right, right then. But yeah, like that wonderful song you played earlier, <laughs> <laughs> Krampus's sack. <laughs> we might have to share that with our listeners. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the full detail. He's very creepy. He's got these huge horns. But like you said, he's like the shadow of, mm-hmm. of Saint Nick. So, I mean, the red yeah. coat, the white beard, the mm-hmm. long tongue, because everybody knows Santa Claus is known for Gene Simmons' tongue. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like a dark, twisted version of Santa Claus is what he is. Yes. It is not something that any kid would ever dream up as a positive experience. <laughs> it's very creepy looking. But there were times his face reminded me of Santa. Like, mm-hmm. just... Without the tongue. And the goat eyes. <laughs> and the goat eyes. <laughs> and the hooves. Yeah. The coat reminds me yeah. of Santa. Mainly just the coat. <laughs> <laughs> the coat. The coat. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite parts of the movie did not have to do with Krampus at all. Had to do with Howard being in the kitchen, facing off against the gingerbread man. Yeah. Yeah, I have here deranged gingerbread men shooting a nail gun at you. Because that's fun. That's a fun game to play. Uh, <laughs> and the last one racing at Howard with the with the broken candy cane. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to stab him. And then the dog eats it. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Oh. So I guess we can get into kind of the minions and stuff. Because I don't have a lot other stuff about Krampus that we haven't covered. So. I think we pretty much covered him as much as like the quote unquote big bad he is in the movie. Like there's not a lot on him Mm -mm. to go on past what he looks like and kind of his background and story, which we cover through other characters too. Yeah. So yeah, these minions, which we brought up a couple of them. The first one is a creepy snowman, two creepy snowmen, lots of creepy snowmen and a couple of dark elves skittering and giggling around just to add some flavor. The giggling. Uh, (laughs) Oh, the giggling. Oh, it was crazy. I loved the gingerbread men. I think they were my favorites. Mm-hmm. And they actually had names, Lumpy, Dumpy, and Clumpy yeah. were three of them. And they met their demise in the kitchen yeah. because Howard got real creative after they'd shot at him with a nail gun. Mm-hmm. He starts figuring out how to stop them. And then, of course, I think the dog's name was Rosie, and she took care of the last one yeah. that was coming at him with a broken yeah, cane. He came- shot something that blew up and <laughs> yes. lit them he all on fire. He shot something that blew up. Which, But they're giggling and yeah. laughing. But again, it's that comedy in the terror because they're sitting there. They're so scary. But at the same time, he, they're on fire. Ah! They're just like in agony. And, <laughs> and it's, it's funny almost. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. He shot something. It blew up. They were on the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. They had broken legs and arms, and they were hopping around. And then one of them just decides, well, I'm going to just run with this broken candy cane to kill Howard. And it's just like, it just looked crazy. Mm -hmm. A homicidal cookie running at you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fun. And then you mentioned the the -the Mm jack-in-the-box. 
Oh, that is that thing that might have to go down as one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in any movie. Just that Jack in the Box. Oh my god, eating, eating. Yeah, Jordan eats like, just whole like a snake, and that's because it even has yes. like the jaws that like unhinge like a snake, except in like three parts instead of one. It's like this mm-hmm. predator snake combination, but then. Oh. It's also creepy because it's like waving and clapping its hands and like acting kind of like a clown. Even the point like I have in here, it's so creepy, but a little funny, but mainly just super creepy. <laughs> the way it like eats Jordan whole and then afterwards it like politely dabs its creepy little mouth with a napkin. Like, oh, <laughs> yes. what a treat. And moves away <laughs> and gets in the vent and runs away. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the robot with the scissors. <laughs> stabby, stabby robot. Yes. Yeah, just a whole lot of intense, freaky Christmas toys gone wrong. Yeah, like the creepy cherub angel doll oh, thing with its thing. licky, floppy little dagger tongue. <laughs> oh, just, just gross. I mean, they were just gross. You have to give those behind these effects, the creature effects, which is the ever utilized Weta Workshop. Yeah, so good. From New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, because this was, man, they got to have such a fun cast and so so much fun behind the scenes. And they got to be in New Zealand. Yes. Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And then, yeah, I kind of mentioned lastly, we don't really know what it is, but I call it the Snow Graboid because <laughs> it just seems fitting for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> it it is. takes, I mean, Tom, Linda, and Howard. It's I mean Tom, Linda, and Sarah. They're all at the end. And yeah. all that's left at that point is Max and Stevie. So Max can't drive a stick because they have a hybrid. And he's like eleven years old, so you know there's also that. <laughs> I don't think they teach driver's uh, ed to eleven year olds. <laughs> not gonna so happen. So not that it matters because the elves show up and take Stevie anyway, so never really yeah. had a chance there. <laughs> Not going to happen. His parents sacrifice themselves. Go, get in the truck and go. And then they all die. And then it's like, shit, I'm a little kid. I can't drive this thing anyway. And that was, that was pointless. No. <laughs> you know? So he gets out to go talk to Krampus, mm-hmm. who gives him his bauble wrapped in his own letter. Mm-hmm. And then he just decides he's not going to take it. Yeah. He's going to fight back. Which I think, given he was beating up that boy at the beginning of the movie... He kind of came into the movie fighting. He's going to leave the movie fighting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's no pushover. <laughs> no, Matt. No, Max is not a pushover. But yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. The only other notes that I had is the very beginning, even before the, the opening. I said just unique universal logos are fun because they have the one that was like frozen over for this movie because I just recently mm-hmm. watched and covered scott pilgrim on another podcast and oh, that one's yes. like an eight bit intro so universal has fun <laughs> with like their different intros and stuff so i just had a little note of that but <laughs> yeah but yeah i think that covers it Yay. that is awesome all right what do you have for production notes for this episode or this movie <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've given some of them a little bit here and there throughout um, the episode. So there are still some, though, that are sitting here. So I will get to them. So the staff, team, everyone, they made a point of having the film's first act to be 
strictly a Christmas movie before having it turn towards the horror and dark fantasy. Mm -hmm. There was an original graphic novel that was released just prior to the film's release in November by Legendary Entertainment, and it reveals, spoiler, that anyone spared by Krampus will be kept under surveillance by him through the snow globe. So that does lend a little bit more yes, to that other theory. Does. Yeah, I'm going with that theory because I yes, like the world where Max and it. his family is not dead. I like that world better. So. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so Way to Workshop uh, released a number of collectibles through their online store, including statues, Krampus, the Dark Elf, and the Cherub, and a life-size prop reproduction of the Krampus Bell and a collectible pin. Are any of those available still somewhere? Because, uh... You feel like you gotta have I'm, one, I'm right? I'm looking now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Those could be fun. Yeah. So the composer, Douglas Pipes, described his music as a collection of twisted Christmas carols with Pagan thrown in. Which makes sense, because there were times that I swear I was hearing Silent yeah. Night when I didn't think it was Silent Night. Mm-hmm. He also incorporated the sounds of chains, bells, bones, and animal skin drums into the score and had choirs chant and whisper in different tongues. Makes perfect sense. When you listen to the movie and the music, it sounds really like almost perfect for what was happening. So Omi is the only person in the movie to refer to Krampus by name. Originally, the character of Omi was deaf in the first draft of the script as opposed to German, but they switched it for the part because they wanted the cultural connection to Krampus, and they felt that her being German would give that Austria-German connection to Krampus and the lore. So many of good old Krampus minions are also real Christmas winter folk figures in European cultures, such as the Yule Goat in Scandinavia, The creatures that have Icelandic names are named after the Icelandic Yule lads who are said to visit homes each of the 12 nights before Christmas. Do not want a visit from them. (laughs) Thank you very much. The film's Krampus is intentionally designed in its shadowed and cowled face to resemble death. It is wearing a Santa Claus-like mask also. (laughs) And here is a fun little tidbit to end on. Two of the gingerbread men are voiced by Seth Green and Justin Rowland, who is and does the voices of Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty much what I have. Sweet. Awesome. Well, then we get to <laughs> come to our quotes section, which is fun. We've been throwing some in throughout the recording, but I've, I've saved the ones for here for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already laughing because I can't wait. You always pick the funny quotes. I do. And I picked one or two, maybe three funny quotes. There's one that I picked that's not funny, but it's real quick. But yeah, everything else is. Yeah, I like I like the funny stuff. All right. Well, so when Omi and Max are wrapping presents in the kitchen and Max asks her if she believes in Santa, Omi responds with, naturally, but I also believe St. Nicholas is what you make of him. That to believe in him is to believe in the true spirit of the holiday, the spirit of giving, of sacrifice. Then she gets this haunted look on her face. And then she says, I also believe in dessert before dinner. So, and the next one, after arriving at the Ingalls home and viewing the dining room decorations, 
And Dorothy says, Lord Almighty, looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is our good old Aunt Dorothy. And then once Linda has come in the door, Aunt Dorothy's out of earshot. Sarah <laughs> responds to Linda's surprise of bringing Aunt Dorothy with, A holiday roast is a surprise. Hemorrhoids are a surprise. She is a goddamn nightmare. What were you thinking? Loved it. And then I think my favorite quotes of the movie have to be this one where Linda is talking about going to get Jordan and she's having this conversation with Howard. Howard says to her, Linda, what are we dealing with? What'd you see up there? Linda says, you don't want to know, sweetheart. And Howard responds with, honey, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies. So trust me when I say I can take it. (laughs) So what did you have, Pake? I'm sure already that they're hilarious. Yeah, I've just got a few because with movies like this, I get bad about like I have quotes from like maybe like the first half of the movie and then I stop thinking about quotes because I'm so into it at that point. So everything's from like the first half and I just have a few, but the ones that I liked, um, I'll start with just like the more serious one just because it was very like menacing, but also like drives up a good point is just Omi's real simple. Just keep the fire hot thought that was really cool but then the funny ones that i have um versus tom when the other family first gets there howard and linda and them get there uh sorry wasn't there another child (laughs) because they had left baby chrissy just in the truck (laughs) oh yeah um Another one that's just a little weird throwaway line is Sarah and Tom are standing, kind of looking out the window. It's like, you know, maybe we should check with the other neighbors, go across the street and see what the neighbors think. And it's like, well, they're in Hawaii and they're, they did this and this. And then the question is, and the Cartwright stopped talking to us after Max's noodle incident to which Tom goes, his what? And then Max just gives this like weird little smirk. And then that's the end of that. (laughs) So then I have here, I was like, do I want to know about this noodle incident? I kind of want to know about the noodle incident. I probably don't want to hear about the noodle incident. (laughs) No. What noodle? I don't know. I don't want to know. Keep it to yourself, Max. I'm good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I just thought it was like a weird throwaway line that was really funny just for its absurdity of like, what? You know what? I'm probably better off not knowing. <laughs> it's probably better that you don't. Yeah. And Ugh, it might change your opinion. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I have, of course, is Omi is speaking German again after like Jordan and Stevie kind of ask like what's going on, and she's speaking to him in German, and they look at Max for an answer, and he's like, "I I don't know what she said that time. Like I don't I don't recognize that one." Where then Dorothy just looks up and says, she says we're fucked. And then it goes back to Omi yes. and she just has this like, eh, like, yeah, you're right. And just like look at her face like, eh. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you know she yeah. said that? And Dorothy goes, well, I'm old enough to know when life is coming at you with its pants down. Which, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. It's like, you should not say that to a group of children. But, you know. No. You're Aunt Dorothy, so you can you can get away with it. <laughs> you can get away with it. That may be part of the reason why they didn't want Aunt Dorothy yeah. around. <laughs> because she's just a little bit yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't really have a filter. Yep. <laughs> and they may not want their kids hearing what she has yep. to say. 
Wow. Did you have anything else, or is that it? That's all I had. All right. All right, and next we're going to do rankings. And as much as we've, like, gushed about this movie this whole time, now we got to see what that leads to here. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's so hard because it it's really kind is. of a one-off, like, movie that isn't... Well, it is in our, in our preferred genre for this podcast. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. It's got creatures. We are down with monsters. It is who we are. It's what we love. However, you know what? I agonized over this today. Oh, yeah. Like, how do I rank this movie? How do I rank it when it's just kind of in its own world? Yeah. So I'm going to come in with a solid 8.1. Okay. Nice. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Not bad. And now I'm dying to know, (laughs) Fake. Dying to know where it lands on your brain. All right. Well, to to buy time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but that's no, what but we do. But yeah, no. Just to give some like idea, because again, even though these points don't like these rankings don't matter at all, really, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> I still like to try to justify where I put things. For some reason, I don't know. But yeah, no. I think because it is, it's a super fun, funny movie. Some of the creepy stuff is real creepy. The cast is just excellent. Yes. And so I have a good time with it. But there are still some like continuity things and like other things are like, eh, you know, like this doesn't really add up here. They wouldn't do that. Or but what about that? So putting it all into the blender, <laughs> all of those spin little it. things together, spin it around a little bit. I land on an 8.4. So. Woo, so not too far. Yeah. Not too far out of the realm yep. of where I was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I think I'm good with it. I I can stand by my 8.1. Yes. It's a very good movie. It's very good. It is. And I love it. And I should probably be watching it like every December. And I don't know why I don't. It should be on my Christmas movie rotation. And it probably will be from now on. I feel like it has to be the extended version though. Mm-hmm. You have to have those extra scenes. I know, but you don't get like an extended version. I wish more. you could. Because like that, yeah. I have to go in and watch the like deleted and extended scenes yeah. and the bonus. Features. I feel like we need those though. You I need, feel like they need to be put back in. I know you need movies. I think I talked about this when I covered, which I'll do this in the, you know, shout outs and you know soon. But you know, I did. I got to cover Scott Pilgrim <laughs> on panels to pixels recently, and 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 yeah, like I, I think I brought it up on there because I also did the same thing. I watched all of the like the deleted and extended scenes and stuff after watching the movie, and I was like, why can't we get? Because I get it for the theatrical version, but like, why can't we choose to watch a version of the movie that just they just throw all those back in there, like a director's mm-hmm. cut that you can just like choose to watch or not on the DVD? Like, just put all the deleted and extended scenes in there anyway, because yes. most of it adds to the story. <laughs> yes. All right, Daphne, it is time to get to some feedback for this week. And we have quite a bit of feedback, which I am excited about. It's a holiday miracle. (laughs) (laughs) It's always great when we get feedback from everyone. And this week, you're right. We do have quite a bit of feedback. Mm -hmm. We've got feedback to, you know, messages on Facebook. And then we have three voicemails to get to. Should have been four. Ben gave you homework (laughs) last week. I'm just going to give him a hard time. I love you, Ben. It's okay. He did watch the movie. I know that. He just he just failed on the feedback part of it. But you know what? That's okay. It doesn't have to come this week. You can send it next week. I'll give you an extension on your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Anytime you want to tell us. 
<laughs> nah, again, just messing with you, Ben. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into that. All right. Let's go ahead and go with our messages on Facebook. And this first one, let's go ahead and go to this one with from Julie. And this one's actually about San Andreas, so we're kicking it back another week. But that's all right. And she says, this movie is our favorite. Jenna and I, which... I think you might know this person. Okay. I do. Jenna is her daughter. <laughs> she says, Jenna and I have <laughs> must have seen it, except for the first 15 minutes, at least 30 times. We finally caught the beginning, which was so anticlimactic. The predictability and the overacting and the obvious CGI and bad decision making, the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Julie, for sending yeah. that in. Really appreciate it. I'm glad yes. that you and Jenna really enjoy that movie. And I hope that in the future, there are other movies that we cover on the podcast that you're interested in. And you can let us know what you think of those. Yeah. Always love hearing from anyone and everyone. Definitely. All right. You want to take this next one, Daphne? Sure. This next one is from our good friend, Derek. And he says, I just watched Krampus at the weekend. For the first 30 minutes, I just hoped the dust would start because most of the characters were awful. <laughs> I wish they'd either lean into the horror or humor more. It was just okay. Not great, not terrible. I was hoping to add it to my holiday horror playlist. I guess I'll have to wait for someone else to nail a great holiday horror. All right. Thanks for your feedback. I, uh, Yeah, I mean, hey, it, not everything is going to be like a hit or a miss. Like you said, you didn't hate it, but... It's not going to be a, a great for you, and that's okay. Because you bring up a good point. Like, I don't know if there's any other really good, like, Christmas horror movies that I can think of off the top of my head that are, like, really good. I mean, most of them are good because they're just, like, ridiculous. Like Black Santa or, what is it, Santa Slays? Or, <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to think long and hard next year when we pick our christmas holiday movie to cover Uh uh-huh i kind of have an idea what i'd want to do but it would require us kind of bending our genres a little bit but we'll see we'll see we got we got a full year to get there so and you know what (laughs) we can bend those just as much as we want to we can this is our (laughs) podcast we do what we want yes we can (laughs) all right let's go ahead and get to those voicemails this first one comes from sherry all right let's hear what sherry had to say Hi, Daphne and Peyton. This is Sherry, and uh, you might know me as Iggy's mom in the uh, ferret world. But I wanted to uh, send in some feedback on the Krampus movie. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Krampus mythology and lore, uh, and so I was really excited that they were going to do a movie about it. I had been waiting for something like that for a while, and finding out, too, uh, that Doherty uh, was involved uh, I was a big fan of Trick or Treat, so I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be really awesome <laughs> when I first heard about it because of his involvement. I'd have to say, really, my favorite thing about the movie, probably the fact that they used all real puppets, and for the most part, it's in real puppeteering. Uh, some of the effects were obviously CGI, like the creepy little uh, cookie guys. Uh, those guys still freak me out. They're just, they're so ridiculous, but also, like, they were looking right into my nightmares. Um, because a lot of Christmas things, they really do sort of just border right on that line of being whimsical and cute, 
and being downright terrifying. <laughs> and the little gingerbread guys <laughs> were done with CGI, <laughs> but I do think all of the other effects in the movie that were done using practical effects, this like all the creatures in the attic. Uh, my favorite was definitely the spooky like angel doll that kind of like flies down and is attacking everybody. I just <laughs> so creative mm-hmm. and, and interesting and the big gesture thing. And even the Krampus himself was done with all real effects instead of with CGI. And I just feel like we don't see enough of that really in, in movies. I actually just recently rewatched it and it still kind of holds up. And I think when you see movies where the directors really put that effort in to use real puppets and real props that it definitely makes a difference uh and it just makes for an all-around uh just sort of timeless fun movie um in many ways this film reminds me of something like gremlins from back in the day where it's like a horror comedy set at christmas time so uh, i really really love it also the score uh, i do have the the soundtrack to it and the score is really really good um, so anyone who's a fan of the movie should definitely check that out uh, it definitely works on its own. And I think that the, uh, you know, the acting is, it's cheesy, goofy horror movie acting on purpose. Um, but I think, you know, other than the fact that it does stray from the Krampus, um, it's almost like he was trying to create a Krampus cinematic universe, um, which I, I hope he, you know, successfully does, but I haven't heard anything about it coming back to theaters, although not that anything's coming back to theaters anytime soon, but I don't know that that ever took off. But it does vary a bit from the uh, original folklore, but it's still just a fantastic, just a fantastic film. And anyone who's interested in it, anyone who's watched it, I strongly encourage you to do a little uh, research on your own into the Krampus mythology and the folklore and uh, some of the Krampus events that might come up in your town. I think we should um, definitely, you know, as a society, I <laughs> I really want to see us just bring Krampus into the sort of uh, the holiday tradition every year. So yeah, do, um, you know, anyone who's listening, do some research on it. It's really, well, I guess it's not, it depends on your idea of fun. I think it's really fun, but even if you're not super into the folklore, it is a good, <laughs> uh, holiday movie. I think just in the spirit of something like Gremlins or any other like old puppet movie that it's just, just practical effects and nostalgia and, Really, really ghoulish and eerie. The aesthetic is fantastic. I absolutely love it. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful night and uh, happy solstice, merry Yule, and happy merry Christmas and whatever else. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sherry. Love hearing from you. And you brought up some great stuff as far as while you were talking and I was listening to that, I did add the Krampus score and soundtrack to my Christmas playlist on Spotify. And then, yeah, I love your talk about, we've brought it up on this podcast quite a few times before about practical effects for CGI and how that's the reason that 1993's Jurassic Park still holds up perfectly to this day is because all of those practical effects. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We have talked about it. The fact that the CGI over time continues to grow and change capabilities grow and change. 
And those earlier movies that started with CGI, it's just not holding up quite as well. Those practical effects are the way to go. And Mm -hmm. it's great to see movies like Krampus that came out five years ago relying on that when they bring it to the screen. It'll help it stand the test of time a lot longer. Absolutely. Thanks, Sherry. (laughs) Our next feedback is from Damien. So let's hear what Damien had to say. Hey, Daphne and Paik, it's Damien. Just wanted to leave some feedback for Krampus. Overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, This is my first time watching the movie, uh, actually. Um, Love the opening credit sequence of the craziness at the Macho Mart. Uh, It reminded me of uh, Black Friday uh, sales uh, fiascos at Walmart we would hear about years ago before they put all the limits on how many people could get in first things. I think that was pretty intentional. Um, when the directors uh, filmed that piece there. Uh, love the effects of the cold and ice and frozen houses uh, in the neighborhood. That was pretty scary, I think. Added uh, definite tensity to the entire uh, entire situation. Um, they even used it on the legendary and universal logos in the very beginning of the movie, uh, before the credit sequence. That was pretty clever. Um the family dinner scene with the fight breaking out felt like an homage to home alone. I don't know if you guys got the same feeling. Um, but that, uh, was a reminder of that there. Uh, my favorite scene was the fight in the attic, uh, with the possessed toys. That was eerie and tense. And that angel was pretty terrifying, but I'm happy that the parents won, uh, that battle at least, uh, you know, in the end they don't win. <laughs> um, or do they? There were a few things I didn't <laughs> get in the movie. Um, the snowmen appearing. I kind of thought it had to do with every time somebody was taken. Um, but I didn't know who the first snowman was for. Uh, I don't know if that was supposed to be the girl's boyfriend. I don't know. But anyway, um, then they seemed like to be showing up every time somebody was taken. And that one definitely was supposed to be Howie. I know that. Howie Jr. rather. So. Anyway, uh, and also Krampus couldn't use the chimney, but the elves could break right in. So I didn't really get that either. I <laughs> um, think that was a bit of a plot hole. Um, and the ending with the eternity and the snow globe. Uh, I don't know how I felt about that. It was okay, I suppose. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't just a dream. But anyway, I don't know. Ending was kind of meh to me. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to end with my favorite line in the movie was uh, from Howard Sr. Honey, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of cookie Christmas cookies. So trust me when I say I can take it. Uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> says it all with this movie here. Um, anyway, hope you guys uh, have a Merry Christmas and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Damien. Awesome. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. And yeah, so may, uh, hopefully after listening to this, you can maybe get some new kind of perspectives on the possibilities of that ending and let us know if that changes the way that you think about some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pake has some really interesting <laughs> points that he brought up that made me feel better about the ending. So I'm going honestly with his version of how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> made me feel a little bit better. Maybe they're not living in the snow globes. It's more of kind of his way of being, it's like his portal to see what they're yeah. doing to make sure they're towing the line. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I like to think now. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> more happy. 
All right. (laughs) We have one more call and kind of goes without saying in this group that (laughs) it's not a podcast without a voicemail from Steve Brown. So exactly. See what Steve has to say. All right. Hey, Pagan Taffney. This is Steve. This is for Krampus. And uh, just, um, I didn't watch the movie because reasons. And, uh, but I wanted to send a message and say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I hope everyone uh, listening uh, stays safe and stays well. And uh, I pray that uh, hopefully you can spend a little time with your families this year. I am. So hopefully uh, everyone can do that. And uh, I will talk to you later. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. And if you do get around to watching it, still call in and let us know. We always appreciate it. I was wondering what Steve would think of this movie. It's one of those ones that I feel like he might like some of the campy humor, but I'm not sure. So, Steve, if you do check it out, we definitely want to hear what you think about it. You and Ben can both have homework of still getting it to us later. Yes. Homework is assigned. Yes. All right. Awesome. And speaking of this podcast universe that we live in. I'll go ahead and give a couple shout outs of some other places that you can hear me and other people in this podcast universe. And of course, as always, I say every week, check out Strange Indeed. Great podcast over there. I've been doing some couple different shows over there. And now Rima is covering the CBS All Access show, The Stand, with our friend Ben. But if you listen to episode two that will be coming up later this next week, I will be on that one. I'll be popping in for a couple of episodes throughout the season. So I'm excited about that. So definitely check that out. It'll be a lot of fun. And then I did plug it a little bit last week, but again, it is out now. So if you have not listened to it, go over to Panels to Pixels and you can hear me, Steve and Ben have a little round table episode where we talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) And we had a blast just nerding out and quoting that movie and having a fun time. So check that out as well. Yes. We've talked about this before. Paik loves that movie. And I've actually listened to this podcast. It is so much fun to listen to Steve moderate a panel between Ben and Paik about this movie. And (laughs) it's fun to listen to, to determine which person, either Paik or Ben, is the real trivia king (laughs) when it comes to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. As you may remember last week, Ben conceded that Paik was probably the king of the trivia for Scott Pilgrim. (laughs) But, you know, give it a listen and and make your own determination. Yeah. But if you pick Ben over me, don't tell me because I'll be sad. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. And then as far as other podcasts and what's coming up next, Daphne, why don't you fill everybody in what is coming up next week here on Run For Your Lives? All right. Well, next week, we'll be launching our first episode of 2021. And it will cover a movie called Greenland, which is an American disaster film directed by Rick Romanois. It was released on December 18th, 2020. This is a deep one that Paik and I both really connected with, and we're looking forward to sharing it as our first episode of 2021. Absolutely. I do. It is a newer movie, so your best bet is to find it. It's going to be on like all the video on demand kind of stuff, Amazon Prime and Vudu and whatever else you use there. So yeah, I highly recommend buying or renting this movie and checking it out. It is great. I, I really do think it was an awesome movie. And of course, it's good to get Gerard Butler back in a good action lead role with some really good like 
family storytelling and stuff too. I, I had a blast with this movie. Yeah, me too. It's one that uh, we have been excited to bring to you. So we're excited to hear what you may think of it if you go ahead and give the movie a watch and then listen to the podcast. Or if you want to listen to us first and get a little spoiled or a lot spoiled. A lot of spoiled. (laughs) Go ahead and listen to our podcast. It will be out at the usual time and day of the week, which is usually Friday nights around eight o'clock Eastern time. (laughs) Awesome. And so, yeah, if you want to send any kind of feedback or thoughts on Greenland coming up this next week or Krampus this episode or any other movie that we've covered or any movie you want us to cover, you can reach out to us at Facebook at facebook.com slash run for your lives podcast. You can email us at run for your lives podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at RFYL podcast or Instagram at run for your lives podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends, share the love, send them to any of those social media sites to check us out. Or you can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere podcasts are at, we're <laughs> hanging out there. And yes, we are. To make it super easy, you can also just you go yourself or send anybody to runforyourlivespodcast.com and links to all the social media accounts and Spotify or uh, uh, podcast players. They're all there. And makes it easy. And then if you go to Apple Podcasts, make sure to go ahead and leave us a review. Give us some five stars. Show the love. We always appreciate it. (laughs) And we have been getting a few reviews and some five-star reviews. So we really appreciate that. Yes. Um, It helps people find us easier and we appreciate it. We really are excited about movies that we have planned to cover in the next six months So and beyond. Mm -hmm. So we're... Just really excited for whatever 2021 brings us. Yeah. And we got some uh, special stuff planned for the future as well that we're not going to talk about too much, but you'll see. (laughs) You'll see. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And with that, we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. As always, I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And if you have to run from a horned anthropomorphic figure and his minions... You better run for your lives. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.